So the big question is this. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. And now, for the review of the day, got a YouTube comment from our last episode uh, that we put up on Real Estate Rockstars Radio, which we put up all of them. Great video, uh, liking and hitting the bell for more. Keep up the solid content from uh, Jamie Resendez. Keep the comments coming, guys. I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast, so give me a one-star review if you want. Or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please, subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. All right, Rockstar Nation, I got a great guest, uh, Techie, and we're going to talk about some Techie stuff, and I'm excited about this today. I got Sumant Schraderen on the line, and he's the COO of Home Light. You guys may have heard of Home Light. If not, you're going to hear about it by the end of the show, but we're going to get into what's hot and what's not in real estate agent technology and what will last and what will not last and uh, how agents can be adding value in the face of robots and artificial intelligence uh, doing our jobs for us without further ado. Sumant, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey there, good to be here. Hey Sumant, why don't you give everybody a little rundown on who you are so they can get to know you better. Sure, happy to. So uh, as you said, I'm the CEO of Homelight. We're a a real estate technology company uh, based in San Francisco. So I joined Homelight about four and a half years ago. We just had, you know, just had a handful of, of people back then. And uh, yeah, you know, you know, I'm relatively new to the real estate industry. You know, it's been it's been five years. And prior to that, I was uh, I was running an e-commerce company. So you know, real estate is very different. But you know, the reason I came to Homelight was I felt like we were doing something that was very impactful and very helpful for, you know, both consumers and, and agents and, you know, fundamentally changing an industry that I think we can all agree, you know, is, uh, you know, on the precipice of, of, of great change. So, you know, I'm very excited about what the, you know, future has in store for it in terms of uh, real estate. Well, why don't you elaborate on that while we're talking about it and we're going to get into all kinds of stuff uh, shortly, but, you know, elaborate on like, what, what are you doing? What does Homelight do? What do you do? Uh, and, and what are you doing that's so different that wasn't done before? Sure. So we were the first company to actually publish agent performance data online. So the original mission of Homelight was to connect buyers and sellers with the best agent possible using historical performance data. And so, you know, as the origin story goes, our founder, Drew, was searching for a home in the Bay Area and had gone through three agents and was getting increasingly frustrated. And, you know, he was 
uh, searching on Amazon uh, one night for a kitchen appliance, and he saw all of these reviews on on Amazon, and uh, you know for the appliance, and he thought to himself, well, why is there all this data available for you know this toaster that I'm trying to buy, and why is there no data available for you know assessing this person who's going to be the most important advisor for me during the most important financial transaction of my life. And that was kind of his problem statement when he founded HomeLight. So, uh, you know, over the course of the last, you know, five, six years, we've become the biggest platform for connecting buyers and sellers with agents. And uh, today we have, we're doing, uh, you know, we're doing uh, billions of dollars in transactions that um, we list through the platform. And uh, yeah, it's just been, you know, immensely successful. So what are the metrics that you use, uh, you know, besides, because a lot of people would look at Homelite and they go on there, of course, and they pick their hometown zip code, right? Which, which I've done before a couple of times. And, you know, to the common eye, what it looks like, right, is, oh, he's just, or Homelite is just picking the, you know, the, the agents that sold the most houses in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. What, what do you, you know, what do you, what do you say to that? Yeah, you know, so it's interesting, right? In the in the beginning, that was actually, you know, no company was even doing that in the beginning, right? So just actually, first of all, finding local agents for people, as it turns out, is a huge value add. But over time, we've been working, you know, on our matching algorithm and have made, you know, dozens of improvements. But, you know, for example, there are ways we can triangulate to an agent's negotiation ability, or like list price to sale price, you mean? So like, list, like if you have a high, if you're an agent and you only sold three houses in a neighborhood and your list price to sale price is 99% and then your competitor who sold six houses in the neighborhood, list price to sale price is 97%, you're saying the guy that sold three will actually come out on top. Well, that's part of it. But part of it is obviously in the, in, in the real nuance is, and this is where you know, we spent a lot of time on, on this is, okay, you know, if I just price the house low and sell it high, right, that may or may not be great for the seller. So right, right. ultimately, we need to also figure out, like, did you sell the house for what you should have you know, sold it for? for the, you oh. know, versus, versus how, do you, the how do you do? How do you do that? Well, you know, there's, you know, automated you know, valuation models that exist. There's ways of getting data. So compared so you might like average Redfin, Zillow, tax records and a couple title company databases and, and merge it all together into one number. And then if you're con- consistently selling under that equation that you guys come up with, then it, it, it will point it out. For example, yeah, for example, that, that, that would be, you know, a great way to do it um, in the way you describe. So, so yeah, so we want to assess, you know, ability to negotiate days on market. So how quickly you sell. And then what's gotten more interesting for us over time as we've gotten bigger is we can actually develop our own internal metrics on how an agent behaves on our platform. So uh, mm. these could be metrics like, is the agent responsive? Or you know, when, when you know, a customer asks them for a phone call, do they respond quickly to the customer? And how do you, how do you track that? So we can track it through uh, IVR technology, through understanding you know, when, the, when an agent received a customer referral and when they actually called the mm. customer and then maybe how frequently they call the customer. Did you uh, have to send out a lot of like, here's how Zillow does the, the best of Zillow, right? And you probably already know this, but mm-hmm. you know, the best of Zillow, they're, they're constantly sending out 
surveys, right? Did the agent call you back? You know, did the agent show up on time? Did the agent, did, did they brush, it, brush their teeth before they came into the appointment? You know, I'm just exaggerating, but is that what you're doing? Just kind of like sending out like massive amounts of surveys so that, that you get all the detail on the agent and not just the fact that their name happened to be on the sign when it sold. Yeah, you know, we're a, we're a very data-driven company. So I would say we lean less, you know, towards surveys because, you know, there's, there's a few reasons. One is, you know, surveys inherently have bias to them, right? It's only the customers that, you know, really choose to respond that, uh, you know, show up in the survey. And if you don't mm-hmm. answer a survey, then, you know, so what you see a lot of times with surveys is that they tend to bias toward individuals that have really strong opinions, so if, if I feel like really positive about an agent, I'll respond. If, if I feel really negative about an agent, I'll respond. But everything in the middle, mm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly indifferent. So uh, we rely less on surveys. We rely a lot more on internal behavioral data that we can collect based on actual activity. And you can't dispute what actually happens at yeah. the end of the day. And so that for us tends to be what we rely on for measurement of of agent performance and we found you know in general that's worked that's worked pretty well and can can can, and so the consumer when they go on can see things uh, like the metrics we talked about they can they get you know if they if you go through our site you you know we give you all kinds of information about an agent we'll give you you know obviously the transaction map and where they've you know completed transactions relative to your home and we also give you for each transaction how we felt they did. If they, if they exceeded expectations on a transaction, we will tell you that. You can filter their, you know, their transaction map in all kinds of different ways. And then you also see, finally, what we think they're very good at. So you know, do, do they excel at selling condos or land? What languages do they speak? You know, are they good at negotiation again? So you know, what are the things? And, and you know, of course, what do they specialize in? Right? So you, know, you may have luxury agents. Versus, versus foreclosure, uh, versus beachfront property. These are all you know, specialties that agents focus on, and we want to reveal those to the consumer. That's awesome. So, so you know, I've talked to Homelight about you know, s- several agents that I know just being in the business, and there's a lot of them out there that absolutely love it that, that just are, are, like, are, are doing 5, 10 extra listings, which we're, now we're in the environment where getting a listing is so much more important than getting a buyer. And, um, and, and I always recommend on the show, if there's any absolute way to get a listing through services like this, you should do it because there's not enough of them. Right, there needs to be more. Right. Some of the complaints that I hear are from agents that are not on teams, singular agents, where they say that home light does not cannot determine the difference between a team and a person, meaning that a team usually is named after a person, even though it's not a person. So you could have a team with thirty-five agents on it, and the the team person's name could be dead or they could be retired, or they could just be, you know, moving the parts from the office. But it shows as if they sold 35 houses where they actually, each agent only sold one house and it just happened to be 35. Does this make sense? So how, what, what would you say to the newer agent or the, the single agent that is not only team, but could actually be a, a better agent for the seller? How would you respond to, to that sort of response? 
Yeah, it's a it's a actually a fantastic uh, insight, Pat, and something that we've we've thought a lot about. So the problem is actually not just on the agent side. The problem is also on the customer side, right? So mm -hmm. the problem on the customer side is you go and see broker team X Y Z, and you see a guy on a a billboard, and you think, oh great, I'm getting him. Him, yeah. And he sounds fantastic. He has 35 years of of, of real estate agent experience and he knows the area better than anyone else. And then who you get is actually the assistant who's a, who has two years of experience. So, you know, that phenomenon also doesn't feel good to the customer. And, and it does. And, and like you mentioned for agents who are trying to compete with these big broker teams, uh, they struggle as well. So we've spent a lot of, uh, you know, kind of just research time trying to, separate out the team effect from individual agents. And, and to be clear also, we don't merely rank someone high in the algorithm because they have 400 transactions and someone else has 100 transactions. There is a point of diminishing returns where, hey, if you have 100 transactions, you're probably pretty good at what you do, right? right. So, so at that point, whether you have 100 or 400, you know, it's, it's, it's of limited yeah, it's value. It's just the 400 guys doing a bad job, right? Because he doesn't have the bandwidth, technically, right? Or he's going to, yeah. Anyone Correct. doing 400 transactions a year is, is a team, obviously. Is, is, Anyone is, doing is, over you know, 40, <laughs> you know, is a team. So, no, completely, completely agreed. And it's something we've actually incorporated into the way we serve. We, we do, we would prefer ultimately to connect people with exactly the agent they are going to be using. We'd much rather not uh, rather not have the agent we introduce to somebody then hand off that person to another person. Yeah, under. right. Yeah, yeah. And I, think, so, I imagine some of your problem is with the MLS, right? Like, because if the agent, right, puts it under ABC team and you're using MLS and it just shows up ABC team, then that's what's going to show up in your system. You almost have to dig a level deeper somehow. That's correct. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult problem to solve and one that we're actively working on. But yes, you're absolutely right. We want to take, you know, the team level information that we're getting and actually figure out how to, you know, assign that potentially to individual agents. That, that will change everything because I think that, you know, a lot of agents out there, they're like, well, they get the, they get the calls anyways, right? The guy, if you're doing 400 transactions a year, you're getting the calls anyways because you're paying for TV, radio, billboard. You know what I mean? They're getting the calls anyways. So the agents that aren't getting the calls anyways, it could be doing an, an absolute bang up job who have, who everybody loves them. They're not getting the calls anyways. They're getting a referral anyways. And usually the referral ends up being a better agent than the person that's advertising for $300,000 a year. You know, yeah. am, I, am I making sense? Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. And you know, the other thing I would say here is that you know, there's, there's another type of agent that we'd really like to get better at identifying. And that's you know, what we would refer to as the up-and-comer agent. Yeah. So th this is the agent that hasn't done you know, 100 or even 50 deals but maybe they've done 10 in the last year and those 10 have all worked out wonderfully for, you know, their clients. So how do we recognize, even though that agent hasn't done a lot of volume in the small data set that they ha actually have worked with, they've exceeded, you know, performance among their peers. So 
so that's just another interesting no, it's great. Uh, I, I think that's brilliant. And I think, you know, that's certainly where it's going. I've had agents on my show, young agents on my show that, and I ask them all the time, I say, how do you beat out um, an agent that's been in business forever or, or has a huge team? And several of them said, you know, what we do is rather than email and text massively, we just show up at the house. We're physically at the house. I had one couple on. They're like, we're physically at every listing that we have three times a week. And I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, we just stop by and drop things off. We stop by and shake their hands. And and I said, so basically what you're doing is you're just trying to one up or three up the competition in service, but charge the same price. And he was like, yeah, and it works. You that, know? That's, that's exactly right. You know, people ask me this question all the time, which is, you know, is there something that agents can do, you know, in terms of marketing or, you know, kind of technology that can help them? And my stock answer is always, listen, the number one thing a new agent can do is just hustle, right? Like if, yeah, you, look really, at, yeah. if you look at the singular factor of young agents that succeed, they just hustle harder than the person who's been at it for 20, 30 years and they build a book of business and they build trust with, you know, the first five, 10 clients that they have. You can almost develop a, a, a quotient and I'm, I'm just thinking out loud. I hope you don't mind. Uh, called a, a, a hustle factor. And inside the hustle factor is, um, did they pick up on the first ring? Did they uh, stop by physically a lot? Did they respond to texts within 30 seconds? Did they, I, I don't know, you know, things. No, that- no, you're, you're, you're absolutely correct. And, you know, I totally agree with all of that. Those are, those are great thoughts. And in addition, we have a team here that actually talks to all of these agents as well. So the, the, the other layer is our people can tell if an agent is engaged, they're innovative, uh, they're excited about serving you know, our clients, because at the end of the day, our brand is really, you know, dependent on agents providing great service to the people we're, you know, introducing them to. If they do, if if they don't do a good job, then, you know, we look like we haven't done, you know, you know, our job as a, as a marketplace. Right. And you're actually a consumer driven company, right? I mean, it's a, it's a, you're really looking out for the consumer. Like, how can I get an agent for this consumer that is the best agent, you know, and, you know, at the end of the day, what's best for the consumer is what you're looking for and, and finding an agent that, you know, I, I mean, I've talked to agents on my show that say, you know, and I say, Hey, if somebody calls you, you don't recognize the number. Do you pick it up? Absolutely not. And I talk to brand new agents that are on the phone and say, I pick up every single call within half a ring, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing. And so, yeah, I guess you got to ask yourself as if you're selling my house, which one do you want? You know? Yeah, and, and people always ask us, you know, the other thing, people, people will say is, does this matter? Does a good agent versus a bad agent, does it actually matter to a home closing? And if you look at the data, if you look at the data, you'll see there is a massive discrepancy in list-to-close rates between the lower, lowest quartile of agents and the highest quartile of agents. It's on the order of 40 50%. In, in, in most cities. So that says that the best agents have a 50% better chance of closing a home than the lowest 25% of agents. So, so the data is there to... You mean, you mean a list as in it was multiple listed to going to settlement? 
that's, co- that's co- listed co- closing, right? Yeah. Correct. Like from, from the point it was listed, uh, what percentage of those homes close? Yeah. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see all the time with, you know, poor agents, these homes will, you know, not sell, you know, fall out of contract. Other things will happen that, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't priced correctly or staged correctly. And, uh, you know, we don't see that with the, with the best agents on the platform. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and yeah, and, and another great question to look at, obviously, is a number that's pro- a proportionate number to houses that list to houses that actually go to settlement, like you said, per agent. Because like if I, let's say, you know, everybody has, everybody gets fired, right? At the end of the day, you're in business long enough, you're going to get fired. You're going to lose a listing. You're going to overprice a listing accidentally and they're going to list it with someone else after six months or or, or it's going to fall through and they're going to fire you or whatever. But but is your is your percentage quotient of, you know, houses that you list that actually go to settlement better or worse than another agent and another agent and another agent. And that should be able to be tracked, you know. It might take it a little work, but yeah. It is. Absolutely absolutely correct. Let's talk about a couple of things that are going on. I mean, I don't mean to beat this thing to death because uh, we talk about it on our state of the market a lot because of some things that are happening in the industry with a lot of companies now coming out with their own individual high buyer programs. But uh, I got a curious question for you, and that is, do you think that I buyer, do you think that I will buy your home for cash or buying, uh, you know, being a commercial flipper, so to speak, is here to stay? Or do you think this is just a phase? Yeah, you're, uh, you're right, Pat. It certainly is kind of the uh, flavor of the moment, right? In terms of, uh, yeah, just, you know, kind of the news cycle. And, and we certainly, you know, have done work on our end to, to address it as well. But in terms of your, your specific question, we do. We do believe it's here to say, listen, you know, consumers want increasingly choice, certainty, and simplicity, right? Choice, so, certainty. Everybody should write that down. Choice. Certainty and, and simplicity. Okay, keep going. Right in their in their home transaction process, and the thing that i buyers give them are you know that certainty and simplicity, and you see this in many different industries, right? You know, in cars, people don't want to, you know, go into a dealership and haggle with uh, you know the the sales guy, right? They want you know they want a price, and they want to walk out in five minutes with you know, with a brand new car. And so, you know, homes are are more difficult because obviously, you know, many homes, most homes in the U.S. are, you know, not commodity items. They're not widgets. You know, every home is different. But that being said, we do see a value. Uh, You know, the home flipping market, depending on the stats you look at, is anywhere from 5 to 10% of the U.S. market today. And I would, ex- I would expect that to, to go up over time. You know, companies, uh, new iBuyers that are out there are making better offers than the home flippers of old, right, who used to pay, you know, 70 cents on the dollar. And now we're seeing offers that are closer to 85 cents on the dollar, right? And we expect that number to go, to go up over time. Now, all that being said, we still fundamentally believe as a company that, if your if your goal is to maximize the value of your house, 
there's nothing that's going to maximize the value more than running a market process. So for, for, so still for most people over time, the best way to do that is to hire a real estate agent and solicit multiple offers on your home, right? Just, that's just basic economics. Right. It's basic common sense too. It's like if you're having an auction, you're auctioning anything off, guys. I don't care what you're auctioning off, right? If one person shows up to the auction compared to if a hundred show up to the auction, you're always going to get a much higher price with a hundred people showing up to your auction than one. I mean, it would be, it would be like hiring an auctioneer and telling the auctioneer, oh, you know what? I choose for you only to get one person here versus saying, I want you to get as many people here as possible. You would never say, you would never say only get one person here, but that's what an eye buyer is, right? It's one person saying, this is what I'm going to give you for it. And putting it in a multiple list, it's going to give you thousands and thousands. I just don't get it, you know? Well, I think there's, uh, the way I would think about it is I think there's two different types of people, right? So, you know, the first type of person is in terms of iBuyers. So the first type of person has a very unique circumstance where the iBuyers value proposition is very useful. So the example might be, I had a loved one who, you know, I live in, you know, the Bay Area. I have a loved one that passed away, you know, across the country, you know, in Florida. And, you know, they have a home. The home's worth, let's call it $200,000. So I have two options in that case. And let's say I'm, I'm very busy. I work 50 hours a week. My, my wife works too. So I have two options in that case. I can fly to Florida hire a real estate agent, look at the house, clean it out, stage it, list it, market it. Or maybe I go to an iBuyer who says, I'll pay you 180000 So I know I'm going to lose $20,000, but maybe I say to myself, okay, for the time and hassle and, and you know, everything else that would go into having to list it on the market, this is a very viable option. So you know, I value simplicity. I value liquidity over you know, maximizing value, right? So that's, that's, you know, I think certainly the lowest hanging fruit for, for any iBuyer out there. There's so a, how do you, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. So I was just going to say there, there's a second bucket of consumers we see who are, who do fundamentally want to go with an agent, but they're very interested in knowing what price could I get from these iBuyers? Like how much would someone pay cash for my house tomorrow? And so for that bucket of consumers, we've actually launched a product called Simple Sale that we give to agents. And you know what we say there is, yes, every agent should be able to come to a person's living room, make a listing presentation, but also be able to say, hey, you, know, you have two choices. You can list your home or I can set you up with someone who can buy your home for cash. And so our view of the world is you know, the savviest agents, the best agents in the US, and this is where my choice comment comes in, will provide maximum choice to their clients. And these agents look more like advisors than someone just pushing the MLS. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. And that's exactly why Keller Williams just launched in Dallas, Texas, their iBuyer program. And Redfin launched their iBuyer program. And from what I understand, the other you know, major brokers are working on iBuyer programs because mm -hmm. it, it allows choice. But I'm just curious, you know, you know, at the end of the day, how many of them 
given the choice when they really know both options, right? Like, let's say in your circumstance, your auntie who passed away and you're running her estate, which is in Florida and you're in California, if, if that person actually gave you two choices... I mean, it's no sweat off your back, right, to wait a couple of months. So, so you, your decision could have been different, but you didn't have that second choice. Uh, that, that's right. So from our point of view, the agent's job as an advisor is to give a very transparent view to their client of what the various outcomes are, how much cash is going to go into your pocket you know, under each scenario, and then drive their client to make a decision in a collaborative way without having a dog in the fight. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. So, you know, the Keller Williams of the world, the Redfin, everyone seems to be gravitating toward, you know, kind of this multifaceted solution. And what we believe is special about Homelight is that, you know, what we say to, you know, uh, agents is in your pocket, you know, uh, on your phone, you'll have access to, you know, hundreds of iBuyers across the country. And so for any client, you can provide them with an mm. offer. So uh, what was it called again? Uh, one choice or one? Uh, it's called uh, Simple Sale. Oh, I really screwed that up. Simple yeah. Sale. Simple I like Sale, that. yeah. Simple Sale. So Simple Sale is kind of an MLS for iBuyers. Right. So we have about 150 uh, iBuyers on the platform today. You know, someone can come directly to home light, but mostly what we want happening is for agents to use, you know, we have a, a mobile app, agents can type in a client's address, they will get an offer price back, and they'll ask the client, is this an offer price that you're interested in? If the client says yes, we'll connect the agent with the iBuyer. Mm -hmm. The agent will get a fee. A predetermined fee? A predetermined fee. Okay. Typically 2%. 2% total. Total. Yep. For facilitating that introduction if the iBuyer ends up And who pays the 2%? Sorry, who pays the 2%? Who pays the 2%? Yeah, so the 2% is paid by the iBuyer. By the buyer themselves. So the iBuyer themselves is paying a buyer broker's fee of 2%. The seller doesn't have to pay anything. No. Okay. The seller gets what they get. The seller get. I like that because- because it's simple, right? I think if you went the other way and you tried to start, you know, saying, I mean, you know, you, you know, they hate that, right? You know, they, they, yeah, the, so the, the buyer the, pays the 2% and there's, and buyer, and most flippers are desperate now, right? The inventory has shrunk up so bad, they, they just, they'll gladly pay 2%. For, uh, absolutely. And for the agent, what we really want for the agent is for the agent to be indifferent between the MLS or the iBuyer. So, the reason we came up with 2% is, you know, if you're the agent, you're sitting there saying, I can make 3% by listing on the MLS, mm -hmm. right? Staging, marketing, and doing all of that photography. Or I can make 2% if I just match this person with an iBuyer. Right, which would be a lot easier, right? Which would be a lot easier. I get paid less, but I also don't incur all the expenses, you know, staging the house and, and marketing and so but forth. But then the, the agent then controls all the offers? Like the, the agent, agent collects all the offers and sees all the offers and then they get to tell the seller what they are? That's right. So we believe the agent should be the quarterback in the conversation and really drive, you know, with the client kind of the 
the offer process and the decision-making process and help the client ultimately get to the right decision. And you probably need to get them to sign something that says that they, I see, I could see how it could get messy if, if they start wanting to be like trying to one up all the offers. So they get 10 offers and they're all for 195 and then they'll go, I'll give you 196. It might be, you know, for myself, right? Cause I want, yeah. I want to, I want to get in the flipping game. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I could see that happening. And then, and then all the flippers are like, Oh man, they just, they just want to know what my offer is. So they know what to either tell their per- person and their per- they might, they, uh, can an agent get the 2%? No, they can't, but they could, they could go to, they could take the best offer for 195, go to, go to one of their people who's willing to pay 4% or, or whatever. And then, you know what I mean? And one up it, you'll have to make sure that they don't abuse this because I can see it being abused. Yeah, I suppose they could, they could do that. You know, it's something that, uh, you know, we haven't, we haven't seen yet, but you're, you're completely right. I think there's a lot We're you know, all of us are fairly new to this entire yeah. phenomenon. So it will be interesting over the next, uh, you know, year or two to see how, how it plays up. What I love about it is it allows a buyer to make an offer similar to how it's done in the commercial real estate realm, which is a letter of intent, right? It's just what, right. What, is, what, what is your bottom line? So, so I want to talk to you about that because uh, some technologies, you know, the CEO of, of ShelterZoom came on and, and they've invented a technology which basically by, it doesn't bypass the agent, but it carbon copies the agent with a letter of intent that goes directly to the seller. And it's their belief that the real estate industry will go similar to commercial industry. Well, they'll go to letters of intent versus contracts because these contracts get longer and longer and longer and you end up signing a 40-page contract just to make a low-ball offer that gets rejected. Do you think that we're going to see the industry change to letter of intents? Yeah, so our view is, so what we're in agreement on is that the process of selling your home is not a good one for anyone, right? So from the contract to the contingencies to, you know, lenders who, you know, will pre-approve a loan and then back out. So that, you know, there's all these to, to the inspection process and something going wrong there. There's all these issues that create friction for both the seller and buyer, you know, during that process. So where we think things are headed is over time figuring out ways to remove contingencies mm. you know, mm. within the buying and selling process to make it as frictionless as possible. Yeah, so I love I, it. I, so I think companies, you know, that are you know kind of newer companies are trying to figure this stuff out. How do you how do you get a house pre-inspected so that you know you can make a clean offer, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, you're seeing you know startups you know, rise here and there that are addressing these, you know, friction points within the transaction process. So, you know, 10 years from now, it's going to look a lot different. Uh, And therefore, I guess, to your original point, I don't know if I would say letter of intent, but I would say I would use the term, you know, clean offer, where, you know, you'll see people say, hey, I can offer $500,000 for that home. And a seller clicks a button that says yes, and the transaction is done, right? As opposed to then 10 more things need to happen after that. Right, right, yeah. It's extremely complicated. And I, I agree with you. I think it will be simplified. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the you know one of the things we talk about is you know an offer really isn't an offer, right? Like when I receive five different offers, they're all different. They have a different cash component to it. They have, as I mentioned, different you know rules and contingencies. So as a seller, it's very hard to take all these offers and compare them apple to apple. Uh, so you kind of have to sit there and sift through a lot of paperwork, and we just think that's not, you know, that's not in anyone's you know, best interest. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to watch. And you've obviously you've decided to build your a simple sale off of, you know, the realtor's point of view, right? Like if a seller wanted to use that and access 150 flippers all at once, could they? And they, save two percent. The, the seller could. Oh, no, they uh, want it because the buyer pays that. Yeah, so the seller, they, yeah. The, the, no, the seller could go directly um, to the site. Uh, but, you know, our expectation is, you know, the vast majority of, uh, you know, kind of the way we drive business here is going to be via the real estate agent and, you know, using the simple sale product, you know, to present to their clients. Yeah, I like it. And, and it allows agents who aren't with a company that has an iBuyer program to use it. And to That's correct. And, and 50, currently, 55% of all brokerages only have one office. That, yes, that's, a, that's absolutely correct. We're, we're cert- we certainly see ourselves as uh, you know, a, a product and a tool for, for really any, any broker to use to, to just, you know, if, if you know, I, f- I feel like I need a footprint in the iBuyer space, but I don't want to build my own, you know, iBuying technology like Keller Williams, then we feel like the simple sale product is a great option, you know, for, for many of these folks. It actually could be a better option. Now, and I haven't seen yours and I haven't seen Keller Williams and I haven't seen Redfin's either, but, but you know, it could, it could t- potentially be a better off because again, going back to the old adage of you're better off having 100 people at your auction than one, it's the same thing, you know, it's the same, it's the same thought process. And if you can truly get a hundred people to put bids on or even 10, uh, chances are one of them is going to be more, but maybe not, you know, maybe open door offer pad, you know, companies like that are, are going to always be able to outbid Joe Schmo who flips 10 houses a year. What do you think? Do you think they're always going to be able to outbid them? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, I, I think you know, for the foreseeable future, you know, we believe a market process is just fundamentally going to drive uh, better results. I think there are ways that i buyers can improve their offers by monetizing uh, ancillary services um, over time. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how that evolves and how that helps uh, i buyers to uh, you know achieve better pricing. But that's going to take a while. That's not, you know, you know we, we're not seeing that anytime, you know, in the next uh, couple of years. And will uh, OfferPad have access to Simple Sale? Uh, yeah, we, we basically, any iBuyer who wants to, uh, you know, to, to work with us, we'll work with. You know, at the end of the day, you know, what, what dictates whether or not you get shown is whether, one, you can cover the client's buy box, so, for example, some iBuyers will say, hey, we only want to purchase homes in these zip codes from $200,000 to $500,000. So you have to be able to, you know, fit, fit the client's buy box. And then, two, you have to prove that you can give, 
um, you know, reasonable offers, right? We don't want a platform that's giving, you know, people 65 cents in the dollar. Uh, we want people who are, we, we want investors who are, you know, ready to give people credible, credible offers. So you put a minimum bid in there. We will just, just like an auctioneer. Yeah, we, we will. Um, you know, well, what we do even before that is you have to be vetted by our team before you're, you're accepted to actually work on our platform. And, so, and will they be able to see the house before they put a bid in or no? Or no? Will the buyer? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's up to each, each buyer has a different process. We, we obviously require certain basic things that they need to, to meet in terms of customer experience, but uh, we want to work with the buyer to do what, you know, is going to facilitate the sale. So yes, most, most buyers will go and meet with the sellers, do, you know, look at the house and then, uh, you know, provide the written offer, you know, post that. That's awesome. That's awesome, Samantha. Well, th- well th- this has been great, man. I mean, I could, I could have you on and we can talk for hours. You got a good mind for what's coming, uh, what's here, what's coming. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put all of Sumant's information. I'm going to put a link to Homelight. You know, I'm going to put a, a link to everything that we talked about, the show notes on hybendigital.com backslash Homelight. That's hybendigital.com backslash Homelight. And Sumant, as you know, everybody that comes on the show brings a, a free gift, an item of utility, something that the listeners can go on uh, your show notes and download and, and use in their daily business. What, what is the free gift that you brought today? <laughs> so we actually just interviewed 900 of the top agents in America, and our team has compiled a guide of findings, you know, market findings. What top age, for example, what top agents believe, you know, uh, adds most to home value, and a bunch of other really cool things that I think your your audience would find super interesting. So uh, so yeah, you know, they can you know go to go to that URL and you know, we'll, we'll send over the guide and uh, I think it would be very useful for, for your audience. Oh, that'd be awesome guys. So, so that'll be on hybendigital.com backslash home light, hybendigital.com backslash home light. You can also get it from the agent success toolbox, which can be found on hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or texting the word toolbox to 444-999. Sumant, I'll leave you with the last word. I really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much. No, thank you, Pat. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been great. And, you know, we're excited about, you know, helping real estate agents here at Homelight. I think, you know, we believe fundamentally the real estate industry is at an inflection point where it's, you know, five years from now, it's going to be completely different. But we firmly believe the agent's going to continue to play a big role in that. So a lot of the way we look at, you know, uh, our company is that, if we can help real estate agents win and clients win, then as a company, you know, we're going to you know, be doing good things as well. So uh, thanks again for having me and uh, you know, look forward to being on uh, at some point in the future. Yeah, I'd welcome it. Good to meet you, Sumant. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger. Yes, the one finger that points at people and hit subscribe 
Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe and listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys. And I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day. And thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.